If we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 through 13. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. St. Paul says, this saying that I just read is trustworthy. And that's a phrase that as you read the Bible, especially those um, later letters of Paul, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, um, he uses that phrase a few times. This saying is trustworthy. And what it seems to be the case, what's happening there when Paul uses that phrase, is he's taking something that's a part of the liturgical life of the church, that's part of like the hymns or the creeds or the things that are just a part of the liturgy of the church, and Paul's saying, that is really true. He's giving the Holy Spirit's seal of approval to some of the first worship songs. Um, he's saying, the, this, this hymn that we sing, this um, statement that we profess, this is trustworthy. You can take this one to the bank. So even though Paul was not the first person to write those words, he received them from one of the churches that he was worshiping in. He said, that thing that we sung um, is true. And I say sung because um, all, all, most, if not all scholars, uh, recognize that this passage I just read was a hymn, um, specifically a hymn that was sung at baptisms. And one of the reasons they think that is because we have sort of archaeological record of um, hymns later, like slightly older hymns in, written in the century or two after that really resemble this. So it's one of the first um, baptismal hymns. <clears throat> um, it would have uh, perhaps been sung antiphonally, like we sing our psalms, and it would have almost certainly been sung to uh, a simple chant. Um, one of the things I love about <coughs> our musical tradition as a church is that we are heirs in, in continuity with the Jewish church before the time of Christ. Uh, that when we sing and that the chants that we do, those are ancient tunes. Um, one of the oldest that you know when we sing um, at the beginning of the liturgy of the table, um, the Lord be with you, lift up your hearts. That tune they think might be as old as the Babylonian exile. Like that music might be 2,500 years old, some musicologists think. Anyways, I digress. Um, what I mean to say is, uh, I want you to hear, that, to try and picture sort of the first century church, you know, before the church was um, two billion people around the world, um, when it was just a, a few thousand scattered in these, or maybe initially a few hundreds, well, I guess initially it was a few thousands um, in pockets around the Mediterranean that you might gather and, and come. You, you've heard the gospel. You say, yes. I want to be saved by Jesus Christ. What should I do? Like the first listeners to Peter, and they say, be baptized. So you go to someone's house, perhaps at night, if it was a time of persecution, and you were trying to avoid, obviously, being caught. And someone's taken, made some sort of tub for you to be baptized in, and the local church would have been singing as you come forward to baptism. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure... We will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. I was like, yeah. You know, I mean, it'd be awesome. If you can imagine, we should sing that at baptisms. Um, we might do that at the next one. Um, I love this little hymn. It's a really poetic summary 
uh, of the Christian life as it's lived out. So I want to just walk it through uh, phrase by phrase. If we have died with him, meaning, I think in this context, if we've been baptized with him. Do you remember Romans chapter 6? You who have been baptized have been united with Christ in his death. You've been united in his death. If you've died with him, if your old man, your flesh, yourself with its sinful desires has been, uh, if you've come to Christ by faith, you've decided, you've, you're being baptized, you have been united with Christ in his death. And may I add, if the old man has been killed, uh, he needs to remain dead, right? If we've died with him, we will also live with him. Uh, it's the great truth of the gospel that Christ Jesus is, right now, alive. He's still alive. So when we say we will also live with him, we're, what we're saying is we believe that he is alive right now. We can't see him with our eyes. No other human being has lived 2,000 years. Um, but that he is at the right hand of the Father, invisible to our eyes, but alive as alive can be. And the hope of Christians is that we will live with him. The resurrection of the dead is the fulfillment of what's promised at baptism. They're sort of they're the, the two ends, of the, story. the beginning of the Christian life really begins in earnest with baptism, and the, it's called the pledge, the down payment, and the full payment is the resurrection of the dead. Right? If we have died with him, we will also live with him. Come in. <laughs> Come in. <laughs> I know, no more sneaking in late anymore. <laughs> Busted. <laughs> and it's only a front row seat, too. <laughs> Until I was a priest, I was late every church service I ever went to, so I'll never hold it against the late. Um, we're preaching on 2 Timothy 2. <laughs> I, we, I'm preaching on 2 Timothy 2. The resurrection of the dead is the fulfillment of what baptism is the pledge of. Life in Christ. Life with Christ. Right? That's what we mean when we say eternal life, which is, sounds a bit vague if it's not well explained. It means life in Christ, with Christ, forever. It's already begun for those of us who've been united with Christ through baptism, and it will continue unto the ages of ages. If we endure, that's the second clause of the hymn, if we endure, um, baptism's only the beginning. Baptism alone will not save. Baptism alone will not save. Baptism is the beginning of the journey. The next line tells us what, what happens when you begin the journey. You've got to continue on that journey. You've got to endure. Baptism is the seal of the new covenant. But any covenant needs to be honored and fulfilled and live life, right? You can sign your homeowners association, but if you're not mowing the grass, you're not fulfilling the covenant. That's a very weak image uh, for the gospel. I'm not going to use that one again. Um, <laughs> I, I hate homeowners associations um, because I'm lazy, a lazy mower. The, um, <laughs> sorry, I'm all over the map. It was a rough night with the kids last night, so my brain is kind of misfiring. <laughs> a covenant isn't just about the initial ratification. It's about living into it, honoring it, honoring your side of the bargain, as it will, right? Christ says, I'll forgive all your sins, and you can live with me forever. Have faith in me. Right? I love there's this, I laugh every time when I read in Isaiah, it says, come, let us reason together. I will wash you as white as snow. And it's like, wait, this is actually unreasonable in our favor. 
Right? All we have to do is remain in belief in the Lord Jesus Christ and eternal life is ours. It's like the best bargain ever. But it's still a bargain that you have to fulfill your side of the bargain. Right? You have to endure in the life of faith. The other New Testament word, of course, is perseverance. You have to persevere. Clinging to Christ until our dying breath. This life is a time of trial. Right? We won't know sort of the full story until it's over, until we, each of us have died. Then we'll say, yes, we could say, I remained faithful, I endured until the end. Right? And, um, in 2 Timothy, the last thing Paul ever wrote, he says, I have kept the faith, I've run the race. It's over. He, we, he, he writes it probably within a week or two of being martyred. He says, my life's about to be poured out as a drink offering, but now there is for me, laid up for me, a crown of righteousness that he will give me on that day. He's kept the faith. He endured. He, he wasn't like some of his colleagues who he names in First and 2 Timothy, Alexander and Hymenaeus, who began the Christian life but turned aside. They didn't endure. To cling to Christ with the profession of faith until we die, and, and not only that, right, but living in accordance with that faith. Right? Living a life that actually reveals where the things I really do believe in. Right? Our actions communicate our values and commitments. Right? If I say I'm this and I do something that, like that, my words are mm, not very useful, not very true. Enduring till our dying breath. Staying strong even in the face of persecution. Remember, Paul's writing from prison to Timothy. Right? He's, in, he's saying his call to endure isn't from some sort of wealthy sort of patron of the church sort of sitting far away, removed from the, tr the struggles. He's exhorting them to do what he himself did, endure, persevere. If we endure, we will also reign with him. So no, not if we said the sinner's prayer once, 20 years ago, we will reign with him, right? It's if we endure, we will reign with him. The New Testament emphasis of discipleship is always on the present. It's very rarely on the past. In the present, are you enduring with him now? That's the hope of reigning with him. If we endure, we shall be rewarded. And I wanted to say that word reign. Um, the Lord Jesus, who is alive, is the rightful king of the whole planet. But he hasn't yet fully asserted his dominion. Right? This is what we talk about. If you take a systematic theology class at some point and you study eschatology, it's, well, the kingdom is partially established. All those who profess Christ are already under his reign. But not everybody on the planet is. But one day, every knee will bow. He will, he, the dominion's rightfully is, but he hasn't fully asserted it. That won't be Till, as we learn in catechism, till he comes again. To the end of human history as we know it, the last day, the last great day. Then uh, he will establish his dominion, and when he does, those who are his will reign with him. The only picture I can kind of get my head around that picture is, like, we will be nobles in his royal court, right? If you watch period dramas, you maybe have sort of fleshed out vision of what that looks like, right? He, when he establishes his reign over all the earth, those who are his will be with him on his side of the reigning. 1 Corinthians 6 says, as part of that, we're going to judge angels. Please don't ask me what that looks like or means. I don't know. But it's a powerful picture of joining Christ in his reign. Conditionally, if we endure. So, and then the hymn shifts, right? If we endure, we'll reign with him. It's sort of like um, carrot, carrot, carrot. And then it's the stick. If we deny him, he also will deny us. Kind of a harrowing phrase. It echoes what we see in some of the parables Jesus tells, right? Think of those sort of haunting 
um, parables that end in judgment where those were, um, where some were found to not be with Christ because they didn't obey him. Away from me, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Words we never want to hear. And Paul says, if we deny him, we're at risk of hearing those. If we deny him, he will deny us on that great judgment day. Um, most of us, thanks be to God, won't be presented with some sort of black and white, do you deny him or you affirm him, like happened in the times of Roman persecution, right, where they were actually tested, like, do you believe in Jesus? And it was this momentary thing. If you said yes, you'd be killed. If you said no, you denied your Lord. Right? That happened at multiple junctures in the early centuries of the church. It's the tests that the great martyrs passed. Most of us won't be presented with this black and white choice. But a moment's reflection reveals that there's more than one way to deny the Lord, right? As we say, in, um, to use a line from the Liturgy of Morning Prayer, not only with our lips, but in our lives. Are our lives denying the Lord? Do our actions communicate that we are rejecting, actually, Christ's gospel and his new covenant? To use the language of the prophets, to profess Christ with the lips, but keep our hearts far from him, is another form, ultimately, of denial. So the warning um, is rightly supposed to be alarming. If we deny him, he will also deny us. This is sort of part of, again, that New Testament vision of working out your salvation with fear and trembling. There are stakes. It's a real trial. This isn't just a kangaroo court, like, ah, oh, you're all in, don't worry about it. You've begun the journey, endure. Don't deny your master. But lest we... Um, be overwhelmed by this threat, as it were. If we deny him, he will also deny us. The last verse of the hymn synthesizes the whole thing. If we are faithless, which sounds kind of like denying him, right? He remains faithful, right? It should come as a surprise. We've had this parallelism throughout the hymn. If we endure, we'll reign with him. If we, it's like this mirror image. If we deny him, he denies us. If we are faithless, he is faithful. You might expect to see faithless, but God can't be faithless. He remains faithful. And that's a great comfort to us um, who are pilgrims. I love this image of Israel wandering through the wilderness. They've begun, their the, they have been released from slavery. They're wandering, waiting sort of for the finished journey, the promised land. What a picture of our lives. We, we're pilgrims, and on this pilgrim way, we struggle, and our faith waxes and sometimes wanes. All of us, right? Don't pretend that's not the case. We all have struggled in different seasons. I have. My faith has grown hot and sadly grown cold. And the Lord in his mercy has blown air over it to, to make it hot again, and it's gone cold again. But he is faithful. He keeps calling us back to the covenant which he has given us in Jesus Christ when our love is inconstant, when sometimes, like dogs to their vomit, we return to our sins. He remains faithful. And what this last verse of the hymn shows is that not every sort of struggle or waffling or difficulty is a denial of Christ, right? Only if we persist in turning away from God would it sort of come to be like a denial. But the normal struggles um, are, are a part of the journey. Before, as I was this week, we were reading in morning prayer, and we read the letter of Jude. Um, some of you may have read it as part of the, the daily office reading schedule. Um, and I, you know, I pray through the week, Lord, what do you want me to preach on? And when we were hearing Jude, it said, um, "Show mercy to those who doubt." 
And I felt the Lord say, that's what you've got to preach on. I was like, okay. So then the thing, so for those of you who this Sunday are, are like, I don't know if I'm in. I'm really struggling with the faith. Be encouraged that the Lord remains faithful to you, right? He knows our frailty. He knows that we're walking this very pilgrim journey with ups and downs. Um, it's not a black and white disqualification. Uh, it is a journey. When we are faithless, when we struggle in our faith, when our lives, we recognize them, are not in keeping with the faith that we profess, he remains faithful. I love it. It's not just he is faithful. He remains faithful. He's always been faithful. The last question I want to look at is faithful to what? Um, the last part of the hymn answers that faithful to himself. It says he cannot deny himself. So what's the logic there? God is unable to deny himself. Therefore, he is uh, faithful to us. What's the connection? I think it's sort of twofold. The first is that he's faithful to his own character as he's revealed it. Uh, he has said over and over again in the scriptures, he is full of mercy and loving kindness. He is long-suffering, compassionate. He's faithful to his character. He's not an erratic God. He always acts in keeping with his merciful character. But I actually think there's even a, 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 another layer to that, this last thing. He cannot deny himself, and it loops back into this baptismal context. Remember that by baptism, we've been united to Jesus. Right? It says we are members of his body. As much as this hand is mine, we are his. So part of the sort of mystical truth of this hymn is when we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself because you are part of him. You are really members of his body. You are his own. To deny you would be as difficult as denying, as me saying, this isn't my hand, right? He cannot deny himself, and you are a portion of himself now. That's sort of the mystical, wonderful Christian truth. The body of Christ isn't just sort of a poetic phrase. You are literally the body, and he is the head. And he cannot deny himself. Now, this doesn't mean that everyone who's baptized is certainly saved in the end. Would that it were so. It does mean that everyone who has come to Christ or been presented to Christ through baptism as a child, that the Lord is literally laying down everything in his power to make sure you do make it through the wilderness to the promised land. It's not impossible to turn away. You can fail to endure and totally deny. People have done it. But it's actually kind of difficult. God in his mercy has made it kind of difficult. We're still warned to endure, still warned not to deny, but, but the fact that we have been united with him in his death, the fact that we've been baptized is a great assurance. When people sometimes you know, talk theologically about assurance and what does it mean, the great assurance I lean, lean on is that I was baptized. I have been united to Christ in his death. On July 19th, 1999, I became a member of his body. That's my great comfort. I, I have him as my head and his Holy Spirit in my heart that I'm not alone on this pilgrim journey, that even though it is kind of a journey like this, I believe in his mercy, he's going to get me through to the end. That's the great assurance on this pilgrim way, to carry on the journey of faith that began, didn't finish when we were baptized, it begins when we're baptized. Amen.